Fastest hour in sports radio is here. This is the greatest moment in my life. On the Big 550 KTRS. Team sports will keep you away from temptations like rock music. It's Sports Sunday, and it starts now. Oh, my goodness. Here's Brendan Weesey. Pleasant good Sunday morning, St. Louis. Sports Sundays live with the Big 550 KTRS. I'm Brendan Howard Morton, our producer, as always. Ben Fredrickson with me later on in the hour. We'll do some Tiger Tales. We'll talk some Cardinals baseball after Matt Carpenter's stunning return was announced on Friday. So a ton to get to. Glad you're here on what is another very cold morning in St. Louis. Although I guess when you look up and it's not in the single digits, that's a win. I do want to point out now, as I know we won't have a ton of local programming the rest of the day, is be mindful of the weather tomorrow. If you haven't heard yet, it does sound like the morning commute is going to be icy. And that's about the worst word we can use when it comes to weather, right? Stormy rainy, sunny, hot, cold, even snowy. Ice is is this the absolute worst of the worst. And we know here in St. Louis, just a little bit, just a tinsy bit, just an insy bitsy bit of ice. If it's during morning rush, could be a disaster. So we'll see what the schools do. We'll see what businesses do. But just understand that... Uh, It is going to hit right around rush hour tomorrow. And uh, keep up to date. We'll try to keep you up to date as well. Certainly tomorrow morning with with McGraw, we'll have the latest. But uh, weather looks a little dicey tomorrow morning, so just be aware. Let's dig in to everything that's going on here. And there's a ton going on. Mizzou does lose last night to the Florida Gators, 79-67. Uh, Another game that just gets away from the Tigers' second half. Not all that impressive after Mizzou did their best to hang in. A Florida team that struggled. They came in with just one SEC win. But it's a team that I liked a lot at the start of the year. I'm talking about the Gators. And uh, they clearly have more talent than Mizzou. And that's kind of disappointing. couple teams in similar spots. couple teams with second-year coaches, Todd Golden from the Gators and obviously Dennis Gates here with Mizzou. And it's just a, it's, it's a tough road right now for the Tigers uh, as they slip to eight and 10 overall. They're 0 and five. Yeah. Winless in the Southeastern conference. The bright spot to come from the game was Tamar Bates. He scores 36, 36 for the Tigers was nine of nine from the free throw line. Did most of his damage inside the arc made just one three point shot and still scores 36. But it's not enough. There wasn't a complimentary piece to go with what Bates was was able to do. Mizzou gets out-rebounded by a ton, I think by 12 to 13 rebounds in the ballgame. Just not going to cut it. And again, reality setting in, you're, you really miss, I think John Tanji was, was going to be a stud for this team. Dennis Gates has said as much. He was his best player during the summer, got hurt, was never right this year. And then you missed Caleb Grill and his intensity, and I thought brought a real edge to this team that uh, they've missed 
since he went down after the Wichita game. So it is what it is. I don't know if it's going to get much better this year for the Tigers. And I hate, I mean, we're in January still. This is what I complained about two years ago with Conzo. You, you flip the calendar, the season's already over. You got two months to go. Long way to go with this conference schedule, but it just appears it, it right now it's a, a hole that they're not going to be able to dig out and make the NCAA tournament. Even if they won out, which they're not going to do, it would be difficult to make the tournament. I don't know. Maybe if you win all your games the rest of the way, maybe they find a spot for you. But uh, it's going to be uh, tough to get done for the Tigers. SLU lost Friday. Billikens um, get beat down by VCU in what turned out to be a pretty ugly game on the road for the Billikens. Uh, they're now 8-10, and 1-4 and four in conference play. They have not won a road game this year. They will be at home next against Davidson. And it's not a very good Atlantic 10 conference. A little bit better than last year. But much like Mizzou, SLU is struggling. There, with Mizzou, you're, it, there's reason for optimism with that recruiting class coming in with SLU. Tough to find any right now. And uh, the Billikens will, uh, again, look to get better against the Davidson Wildcats on Wednesday. Maybe the biggest college basketball news of the day happens for Illinois this afternoon. They play at 12 o'clock against Rutgers, and they get Terrence Shannon back. Uh, a temporary restraining order was uh, issued on, was granted, I should say, Friday, which made Shannon uh, eligible again for his team, basically said he had to rejoin his team. He had been suspended due to rape charges that stem in the state of Kansas and he had been suspended ever since, but the temporary restraining order forced Illinois' hand. I think they're going to play it today, although it sounds like he's not going to start. Uh, he's going to be a part of this team, and I guess uh, good news if you're an Illini fan. It's I know it's it's going to it's going to tick some people off. I think it at at the same time tick people off that he was suspended initially, wanting to let the legal proceedings play out it's dicey it's tough man i don't know if i'd like to be in brad underwood's shoes in this spot but illinois has got a chance for a special season here that they, they played well without terrence shannon out there but with him on the floor from just the basketball perspective he's an all-american caliber player so he will be on the floor it sounds like today for the illini they play at the top of the hour against Rutgers. Hey, let's talk a little soccer here. Let's do our soccer wrap-up on this Sports Sunday morning. This, this is the Soccer Wrap-Up. Brought to you by Royal Banks of Missouri and the Pitch Athletic Club and Tavern. Part of Sports Sunday on the Big 550 KTRS. Right, heck of a weekend for St. Louis City SC. They had their first intra-squad game yesterday. We don't uh, really don't have anything to tell you um, on that front, but it was going to initially be an exhibition game and uh, turned into you know a closed-door scrimmage for City. They will get some exhibition work later this week and uh, still waiting for all those pieces to come together and still waiting for an official word on the Nico Giacchini transfer to the Italian Serie B League, uh, the, the Como 
uh, ball club that he is going to transfer to, and City's going to get somewhere in the neighborhood of two to four million dollars. But the move is not official yet. Head coach Bradley Carnell on Friday said that Nico was not. They they couldn't tr- uh, comment on anything officially, but Nico not with the team. So you put two and two together. Uh, he is uh, on his way out, and now City's got to figure out how you replace a guy that scored ten goals last season. And that'll be very interesting to see play out in the days and weeks to come before the start of the season next month. The St. Louis City Academy team, uh, the City U21 Academy team, advancing to the national finals in the UPSL. They get that done yesterday. So congratulations. Uh, City continues to get things done really at all levels, whether it's uh, the first team, having the best record in the Western Conference, whether it was City 2 a couple of years ago getting to the Western Conference fight or the uh, uh, the final of the MLS Next Pro, and now another great accomplishment by the St. Louis City Academy team as uh, they now are advancing to the UPSL National Finals. Kudos to the St. Louis Ambush Last night, they haven't won a ton yet this year, but they do beat Baltimore last night by a score of eight to three runaway win for the ambush as uh, they were inefficient. Hey, scored uh, eight goals on 16 shots. So a heck of a game for the ambush last night over at the St. Charles Family Arena. That's a look at your soccer wrap up this morning. I think a lot of folks will have their eyes on the NFL today. I mean, let's be honest. We've got um, a big game tonight, the Chiefs and the Bills. That will be on CBS. You do not have to pay for Peacock to watch that game. And the NBC game at 2.30 is, or at 2 is actually on NBC. I think we've seen all the networks get games this weekend. ESPN had the Saturday afternoon game. Fox had the Green Bay-San Francisco game last night. NBC and CBS. I'm sure you, you care more about the games, if you do care, than you do about the TV networks. The uh, 49ers beat the Packers last night. Baltimore beats Houston. But the Chiefs and Bills late tonight, later tonight, I should say. And then you've got the the Bucks and the Lions. Detroit, six-point favorite home, a chance to go to a conference championship game. Last time they won a divisional playoff, I believe it was against Dallas all the way back in the 91 season, January then of 1992. And then there is something to watch on the PGA Tour today. Uh, An incredible potential, incredible accomplishment of an amateur winning a PGA Tour event. An amateur currently leads on the PGA Tour. It's really, you know, pretty unheard of. Nick Dunlap shot a 60 yesterday. Dunlap, a member of the Alabama golf team, uh, got a sponsor's, I believe a sponsor's exemption to play in the Amex right now. Uh, Nick Dunlap with a three-shot lead over Sam Burns, four shots better than Justin Thomas. I believe they will play in a, a, a threesome later this afternoon. And, uh, and, and wow, Nick Dunlap with a chance to win a PGA Tour event would certainly be one of the biggest stories of the day. We're going to take a break here, come back, talk some more college hoops with Ben Fredrickson, our Tiger Tales, with you on this Sports Sunday on the Big 550 KTRS. 
We started the company when we got married, and then the business. Check this out. Tiger Tales is on the air. Schrader gets the same second level to the 30, to the 25, cuts between the hash marks. 15, 10, 5, house! A recap of the latest Mizzou Tigers football game. Here's Ben Fredrickson and Brendan Nisi on the Big 550. KTRS. All right, let's welcome Ben Fredrickson into the conversation on this Sunday morning, Sports Sunday, doing some Tiger Tales with Ben Fred. Good morning, sir. Hey, good morning, man. Uh, sorry for Mizzou folks out there. I kind of thought this might have been a chance for this basketball team to to get that first conference win. It, it didn't turn out, but uh, we can break it down, and we got to talk some baseball today, too. We haven't had a chance to talk any Cardinals baseball in a while, so fired up for sun this sunday conversation yeah me uh me as well uh this is going to be fun although not a ton of fun to to rehash another tiger loss we both were confident in a win i think uh picking on our mizzou game plan show and uh, what's interesting here is that mizzou's you know they had been given i would say at least a slight break by the schedule makers having these saturday weekend home games and even when the students aren't back, they, they were all winnable opportunities where you'd think even without the students, you'd be able to have good crowds, and they have to a certain extent. But the Georgia game, the South Carolina game, and now Florida, been all winnable opponents. This might have been, to me anyway, the, the most discouraging because it felt like Florida really distanced themselves in the second half after Mizzou played okay in the first this this to me was unlike Georgia and South Carolina you know here's a team that had struggled but the talent disparity was was really apparent and it's another opponent Ben a a, a Todd Golden coach team much like Dennis Gates in his second season much like Dennis Gates had to overhaul his roster this year there aren't a lot of uh, there aren't, aren't a lot of pieces back for the Florida Gators, this is a, a Florida team that no longer has the services of one of their best players. Remember, Colin Castleton uh, was uh, tremendous for the Florida Gators. He has since moved on. So in similar spots, having a lot more success than the Tigers, although not a, not a ton on the win-loss column. They're now 2-3 and three in the SEC, Mizzou 0-5, um, but just a lot to just not get real excited about if you're a Tiger fan. I've, uh, I've, you know, we've come out of these home games feeling pretty discouraged, and this is uh, another example of that last night. Yeah, there were kind of two positive things that jumped out to me, and none of them overshadow the fact that this team is still looking for its first conference win. Florida and Missouri were, as you nailed, kind of off to similar starts, rougher starts under second-year head coaches that had a lot of positive signs in year one. Florida is now starting to be the team that can tell its fan base, hey, calm down, we're, we're better than we looked at the beginning and starting to put some things together. And Missouri doesn't have that evidence right now. Um, and it's not going to get easier. They've got winnable games, but they're the team that everybody sees as beatable. And some of those I thought last night was an example of kind of a 50-50 game that Missouri has kept tight 
and not cut the breaks it needed to win earlier in the season is one that got away from them. And where they were at halftime, if you could have told them what was going to happen in the second half, they would have been not happy about that. They, they weren't quite as competitive in the second half as we've seen. And, and that kind of can happen over as the year goes along. If you're not used to getting good outcomes, then some of the runs and pushbacks that would come in previous games, they may not be there. So that's something they got to monitor is, is are they – are they are they fading um, because they're becoming accustomed to the outcome and that can't that can't happen. That's a sign of a of a team that's not where it needs to be, even if it's struggling to to win games. That's the mental side of things. So they got to keep an eye on that. I thought the 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 zone that we saw Dennis Gates play with was encouraging. Um, I, it, I thought it it created some better second. Um, it created some better half court defensive opportunities than what we've been seeing from them earlier. Um, and it kept Florida on their toes a little bit. It didn't always work. Um, but it, it did look a little bit better than, than what had been happening at times defensively earlier this season. It's a sign of him tinkering with some things. So I, I, I did like that. And then I think the, the clear positive was Tamar Bates, who has become a guy I think is saying, Hey, if no one else is going to step up and try to score the basketball on this team, then I can, and I will thought he was aggressive got to the basket um and and found ways to get to the free throw line and make free throws and that confidence in him is clearly growing um but you're not going to be the team you want to be in the sec if tamar bates is scoring 30 plus points and no one else is making a dent i'm ben i'm waiting for that combination of sean east and uh and tamar bates to yeah. show up at the same time. I, sure. I feel like Ace East has, has tailed off just a little bit since his um, – well, really, he's played well all season long. It's been recently, and, and he was under the weather earlier this week. So let's factor that into the discussion. But golly, what a combo those two could be if they were both playing well at the same time. And I, I'm getting to the point right now where if Nick Honor and, and – Noah Carter are on the floor at the same time I, I feel like your team is really suffering athletically and in credit Noah Carter he's crafty he's able to create opportunities around the basket but he's not able to create opportunities driving to the basket and when Nick Honor tries that he tends to get caught too much I mean he was fine last night he scored a lot of his points in garbage time did Honor but I think if you can somehow pair East and Bates at the same time, it, it gives you quite a one-two punch. You need more help down low. I mean, we sound like a broken record, Ben. Mizzou gets out-rebounded by 13 last night. And the and the second-chance opportunities. Florida's one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country, and they showed it last night. But Mizzou just, they look they look overmatched every single time on the glass and it's it's just it's it's what this team is and until they get more size and it's coming and it is part of the equation that's on the way but I, I mean I have noticed especially when Jordan Butler's on the floor that he brings you a guy that can rebound and he's been steadily getting some more minutes he plays let's see he played. 13 minutes last night well just two defensive rebounds so that's not going to jump off the uh, the page at you Aiden Shaw his minutes have been reduced here lately he has four rebounds 
Connor Vanover Ben, uh, 12 minutes, three rebounds. So, you know, quite honestly, that tells you a, a pretty substantial part of the story that the guys with the most size, um, I don't know, I guess if, if they if they played a full game, that might equate to close to double-digit rebounds. But uh, here's a situation, Ben, where you're going up, uh, going up against a team that has size. And in fact, Todd Golden, before the season started, decided, hey, we need to get bigger. And that's how he went out and recruited. And it's made a pretty sizable difference. Um, you know you're going up against a team with size, and the guys that have it don't play all that much. That kind of shows you the state of this team right now. Yeah, I I, I think someone, if, if Dennis Gates isn't going to decide it himself, someone on his staff, someone needs to step in and say, hey, look, less Nick Honor, less Noah Carter, more Aiden Shaw, more Trent Pierce, more Jordan Butler, um, more guys who have some of the athleticism components that that brings some something to the game where you look and go, okay, this team's not just woefully athletically overmatched. Too many times, the degree of difficulty with which Missouri has to attempt a shot is so high compared to yeah, the lack yeah. of degree of difficulty they're giving up. And that's just a hard way to win. Um, I don't mean to sound like mean, but there are times when it looks like it's a lower division team playing against an SEC team and that everything has to go right to score and it's so hard to stop the other team from scoring. And I think a lot of this is the difference in size, strength, skill, athleticism. And look, I am my eyes are open. I, I see Trent Pierce make mistakes. I see him try to dribble into the lane and get scared and come back out. I see him shoot terrible three-pointers. But at least when that happens, you go, okay, he's going to be better for that next season. Um, and I think you have to, you have to start, you have to start doing that. I, I can't understand, and, and I don't pretend to know the inner workings of what Dennis Gates has going on. How they're not thrusting Aiden Shaw into the spotlight more, giving him more opportunities than he can handle. This guy has stepped up. He has improved a lot. I think this season you have a chance to kind of help try to make him a face of the team if you if you give him those opportunities. And I feel like he is doing good things in small sample sizes. Well, he doesn't score as much. Nobody scores. So go defend and rebound and, and make that your your impact as the offense as the offense grows. I was encouraged last night to at least hear the players say they gotta clean up the second chance points. Because it's like, yeah, hello. Um, and you, we knew, we talked about it going in, this was the SEC's worst rebounding team versus the SEC's best rebounding team. And that could get ugly. And you weren't going to re- win the rebounding battle, but you better not give them third, fourth chance looks. And they, and they do. You, can't, you just can't. If your offense doesn't come easily, you cannot give up third and fourth chance points. You're never going to win. And so far, they haven't won in SEC play. So... I think it's going to continue. the The calls, the the temperatures, just is going to continue to, to to rise on playing some of these younger cats, letting them get some of their growing pains in, and trying to make it a better better thing for next season. Even to the point that when like the TV broadcasters are regularly mentioning it, <laughs> so the younger guys need to play more. It's like okay, lean into it. It is what it is. Um, it didn't work, and some injuries were a part of that. But it's time now. To, the rest of the season has to be spent getting what you can out of guys who are going to be around. And it wouldn't be all that surprising to me if when this team really leans into that, 
if they get a little bit more competitive just based on the fact that they've got better athletes out there. Yeah, we're on the same page that you know, Coach Gates said on Tiger Talk this week. I think a lot of that is still stemming from how these guys perform at practice. And you can't blame a coach to say, hey, you got to earn your playing time in games through practice. And if they're not doing that, well, then maybe that's a, a, a completely different conversation to have. But Martin brought up something this week, Ben, that I think is it's it's fair to at least discuss. We keep talking about, hey, just wait. The you know reinforcements are coming. This is this is going to get better. Well, those reinforcements are going to be freshmen, and so far the three freshmen you have this year have not made an impact. Yep. And they were, and these are highly recruited guys. Next year, it's highly recruited guys. At some point, we do have to address the fact that. Just because you bring in an elite recruiting class next year, you don't necessarily flip this thing, and that's just you, you got to find got to find some guys that you've got confidence in that can score. You've got to find a way to implement the young guys, and for the young guys to make a, a, an impact somewhere. And, and it doesn't necessarily you need to you, you're not going to necessarily find somebody to come in and score twenty a game. That's not what you're asking for, but to just think you're going to snap your fingers, Ben, and and Mizzou's going to be a top twenty team again next year, that's it's asking a lot. And I think this season it's it's opening our eyes here a little bit. And it, and we you got to understand what college basketball is all about. And it's um, got to be able to have success in the portal along with these freshman classes. I think Dennis Gates is going to give himself a base, and I think that's very very important. He's going to have a young base. And he had to go out and hit a home run again through the transfer portal. And it hasn't worked for him this year, Ben. But to assume that, well, that, that's, that's just, uh, it, it gets better. Hey, there's a lot of teams in their second year that did hit home runs in the portal. Gates didn't. And it's just the reality of the situation right now. Yeah, it's a risky game to play. Throw in a couple injuries and it's easy to bust. And I think this this transfer group collectively is going to be a minus. Now that doesn't include Tamar Bates, who's clearly showing some, some good things. Um, you know, Claro, the Martin kid, he's, he's got, he's got a role on this team. Um, and, and, and that's not a, and, and that, that would seem like a good pickup. Is, is he playing in the right role? Um, is he, is he this, he could be a, a bench contributor and, and they're asking him to do probably more at times than, than should be asked of him. Um, and that's just the nature of how this season is playing out the one thing that and, you, and you're totally right about expect it's even more of a reason for the freshman now to play more so they can be a little more seasoned when they're asked to help freshmen next year yeah. move along uh, and grow quickly the other thing that i think is really jumping out you know we talked about this team missing Dewey hodge about missing kobe brown that can't be said enough but what did kobe brown do so well last year for a team that doesn't have that didn't at the time and doesn't now have, a, a, I would say a true big. You know, Connor Vanover is the biggest guy in basketball, tallest, but he doesn't play like that. I mean, you'd rather hang out around the three point line and and shoot an occasional three and not rebound. I don't know, I don't, I don't understand what's going on there. My point is they don't have and probably aren't going to have like a view of like a traditional old school center back to the basket type big as a part of their game, and and that's not really fitting in, in the way Gates wants to play. But what they did have last year was Kobe Brown, who played that way at times. 
he could go down to the block. He could get the ball on the block. He could make something happen. He could score. He was an adept enough passer to kick it out for open threes for a team that could shoot the three ball well. And he didn't have to be seven feet to do it, but he had strength to hold onto the ball down there. He had athleticism to get up around the rim and finish through contact. He had vision to pass it out. And he had, you know, the ability to kind of float between that role. He, he could play pretty much a straight-up big at times. They don't have that right now. And what they do have is Noah Carter, who's kind of built the same way and is trying to do some of those things Kobe did, but he can't do it. He can't, no. He, he, he's, he's, a, he's a kind of a ball-dominant guy when he gets the ball in that position. It's a lot of stand around and watch him try to come up with some highly difficult circus-type shot to get the ball to the rim. He gets blocked more easily. He gets shut down more easily. He's not as quick to, to get to the basket, um, and he doesn't pass out of it as well. So what you have last year, you had this guy down low who could generate offense down there in all kinds of different ways, and now they don't have that guy and instead, they got a guy who, when the ball goes down there in that setting, it's almost kind of like the black hole. You know, it's not coming out. Whether it's a turnover, a made basket, a missed shot, uh, it's not a really a generation offensive creation spot for other guys on the perimeter. And I think that's something that Gates has got to look at and say, okay, who's going to be that guy? Um, because they're going to need that guy. Not this season. Maybe it's too late. But for next season who's that guy and, and can a freshman be that spot, but somebody who's got the size and strength to, to go down low, even if they're not going to be there all the time and be a plus there on the block um, in the creation of offense. I think that's something that this half court offense, when they're not in transition and it's really showing this year, cause they're not in, they're not in successful transition as much. I think it's really showing that they're missing that piece. And I think maybe that guy would have been John Tanji. And I think that this is where you do give Coach Gates a, a bit of a pass as, as all this has developed because you don't have Tanji, who time and time again, Coach Gates has said, was their best player in the summer before he hurt his foot. And and Caleb Grill as well. So there there is room to, to wonder if, if things had gone differently, where this team would be at. Because they do – I mean, they do look like a team that – uh, just does not, and, and it's it's fairly evident right now, does not have an identity like last year's team did. They play hard, they fight hard, but I'll close our close out our Tiger Talk, uh, our Tiger Tales with this, Ben, is, is something else that's somewhat disturbing, is that this team, I come out of these home games and I feel terrible, and I feel like this this was not this was not a good this was not a good game. The road games I felt a lot differently. The Alabama game, the Kentucky game, where they're they're kind of blown out at the end. Um, I felt, hey, they've hung in there and they've played hard. And and then of course the road games that they won back in November and December. I feel better about this team, and and the Kansas game for that matter. Uh, you feel better about this team on the road I feel like they play better on the road than they do at home and last night's atmosphere was a little weak the crowd looked good um almost a, a full house but there wasn't a lot of energy in Mizzou Arena and hey the team is is sort of responsible for that but it, it's interesting to contrast this team to how they've played at home and how they've played on the road and I think they've played better away from Mizzou Arena that's interesting um it's uh it's something that will clearly prove plus or minus over the course of the of the season maybe there's a little more focus maybe there's a little more um a little more kind of uh backs against the wall feeling but you know this is it's something that they might 
unfortunately, and I don't not encouraging this, um, they might feel a little more road type atmosphere at home games after last night's loss. And I don't mean to, to sound uh, downcast about that. I'm encouraged about what 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 Dennis Gates is doing on the recruiting front. But the reality is, Missouri fans have shown that they want to show up and watch teams win, and they will. Um, look at the attendance last year. Look at football this year. But to get this deep into a conference season and and all of a sudden there's not a win, you know, people are going to be a little bit less likely to, to make that drive. So it's on this team to try to continue to find reasons to get people to be encouraged during what's going to be a, a rough patch season. And, and I, I, I've said it, I've been saying it since bragging rights. One of the ways you can do that is to get people reasons to be encouraged about guys who are going to be around a while. You know, one of the biggest complaints we hear in college basketball is that guys don't stick around. They don't grow with the program. They're, the teams are, all mix and match, and that's what this team is. It won't be moving forward. And if some of the young faces of the new Mizzou can can start to create their identities a little bit through the rest of this conference season, I do think that would be a plus, and I do think fans would, would buy into that. That's Ben Fredrickson. I'm Brendan Weesey. Our Tiger Tales on this Sunday morning. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Let's talk a little baseball. Cardinals making some news on Friday. Got people fired up. We'll talk about it next. Brendan Weesey, sports columnist from the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, Ben Fredrickson. Gl- glad you're with us on this Sports Sunday. Ben, we haven't had a chance to talk a ton of baseball. We'll talk more as we go along. And I still got some things to talk about that um, that are still on the table from the winter warm-up last weekend. But let's uh, dig into the news of Friday. Matt Carpenter back with the ball club. I think a lot of people... Uh, puzzled by the move. You've been quick to point out, hey, here's what it is. It's simple. It's a bench guy. But maybe where it's it's right for people to scratch their head a little bit, it's a move that's being made to address veteran leadership. This is funny, Ben, because this is a guy that doesn't is not supposed to play that much in, in the role that he's going to assume – and I think it's also fair if it's guys like Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado that are asking, hey, where's the veteran leadership? Hey, I got an idea. It's you guys. Yeah, great point. Um, and it is that is what it is. Um, you know, I, I think people are making out to be like a Matt Carpenter apologist, and I promise that's not what's going on here. I'm just a little hesitant to be the guy who has a full-body, you know, rage-shaking meltdown about – the 26th roster spot. Um, it, it's not if Matt Carpenter is on the team instead of Jose Fermin. Like, I don't think that makes the Cardinals a drastically different team. If Alec Burleson, who was never going to get in that bat this until somebody got hurt, plays and, and stays sharp in Memphis until, and, until someone gets hurt in the outfield and then he comes up and gets opportunities above Matt Carpenter. Like, I, is that a bad thing? I don't probably not. Um, so and I, I don't know Matt Carpenter may not be able to hit anymore, <laughs> but but it's it's the last spot on the roster and it is player driven and that's the what I tried to point out and Cardinals fans don't want to hear it I guess which is fine they're angry about it a lot and they have reason to be but this was not Mo sitting around being like yeah I'll bring back Carp we'll sell some bobbleheads and maybe dig out the salsa that we have back in the <laughs> freezers at Bush and and put them on rebate and get some more get some more concession stand sales. This was the clubhouse coming to management, basically saying this 
this should happen. This will help the team. We want him around. We need a guy like this. And the thought process behind it is the bench was pretty young, was setting up to be pretty young. A lot of guys in that spot want to play all the time, and they don't maybe know what it takes to be the guy who's only used once every you know, three to five games. And they, the team wanted a kind of a, a captain in that spot, a, a, a de facto bench captain. And Carpenter, you know, wants to come home and make the major league minimum to, to do so. So that was, it was kind of an appeasement of the clubhouse, I think more than anything. And it's totally fair, totally fair and right to say, why is the theme of this Cardinals off season there was a void of leadership inside the clubhouse. I'm not talking about in the manager's office. I'm talking about in the clubhouse, players. And the fact that Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado are the guys bringing this up the most, to me, is a totally fair point to say, what were you guys doing? <laughs> Where were you? And that's kind of what's supposed to be your part of your job. That's why they were brought in to be the guys who were left when Adam Wainwright rode off into the sunset and Yadier Molina and Albert Pujols after his return but it's very clear from the front office on down and even in some of the player requests it sounds like that they they didn't have enough or they want more or they felt like they couldn't do it all alone john moselock saying that it put a lot of pressure or put was too much it was a lot on paul goldschmidt to be that guy we saw signs of it the tyler o'neill thing last year should have never gotten to the point where ollie had to address it people can be mad at how ollie did it. that's fine it should have been handled in the clubhouse if yadi and albert were in the clubhouse it would have I think the Contreras thing in some ways was maybe not the position change that wasn't, but certainly the pitchers whining and complaining publicly about Wilson Contreras would have not happened had the leadership been right last year in the clubhouse. So there were signs of it, and I do think it affected how poorly the team responded to a bad start. But I got to tell you, I don't think it's a ringing endorsement of Goldie and Arenado that – that really the tone of the offseason has been like add more leadership voices because they were so severely lacking last year. Right. So, I mean, from a perspective of is it something the Cardinals need, uh, the, the leadership, then then the move does make some sense. But it is fair to 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 argue why are Goldschmidt and Arenado defend, are defer, totally. deferring, I should say, deferring those responsibilities. They get paid um, pretty good to, to be the veteran faces of, of this ball club and just because it's not in their nature to go out there and lead well tough tough you don't get to defer to a guy that that uh, made you know take 120 120 at bats that's uh these guys um well maybe have more time to talk about it as we go along but you know the the two most uh the two Highest paid players on the ball club just deferred showing up to the winter warm-up last week. And I know there's reasons why, at least for one of the guys. But, I, I, I mean, I, I can think back to a time if Yachty or Albert decided they weren't showing up to the warm-up. <laughs> and maybe it did happen a time or two. But I guarantee you when it did, there was a huge uproar. It wasn't an uproar last week. Um, so I, that maybe says something about the two faces of uh, your franchise. But... Uh, those two guys, I think, have a responsibility that goes beyond taking their, you know, five at bat allotment per game and going out there and playing first and third base defense. They're both exceptional ball players, but uh, when you get paid the amount, especially Arenado, you get paid what you get paid. It goes a little bit beyond the the nine to five at the ballpark. Yeah, I tend to agree. I mean, Yadier Molina would 
would hire a private jet to bring him from Puerto Rico to win a warm-up on the yeah. last day possible. And and there would be an annual wait. Is he coming or is he not? And he'd usually get there somewhat belatedly, but he'd show up. And right. he'd do And he'd do the winter warm-up song and dance. Now, um, I was told Paul Goldschmidt had some reasons, some legitimate reasons he couldn't make it. I still think he and Arnato, and nobody knows why Arnato wasn't here apparently, um, I, I think both of them should have released something or some sort of statement saying, hey, here's why we're not there. You know, which, It's just PR stuff that sure. apparently neither thought it was was on their, on their shoulders to do. I think about how <clears throat> Wilson Contreras wanted to lead so badly last year but was totally undercut by all that happened to him. He wasn't in a position to speak out last year. He was fighting for his life. He was right. fighting to save his position. And and th- this was a guy who wanted to do more. And talking to Wilson at the end of the season, he told me things are going to be different next year. And um, you know, in talking to him this season, he said, now we have guys who take ownership. And that's a, a good place to be, but it's not good that they weren't there last year um i also look at a guy like brendan donovan who's being kind of emerging as a verbal vocal leader for this team and that's great this guy's about the right things he plays the right way he cares about his teammates he he's he's able to hold people accountable and will not in terms of being a you know a guy who just is out there to 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 get after people but a guy who does things the right way and therefore is able to point out when others aren't and you know that's great for brendan donovan but the fact that there are there are these other voices that are needed, a lot of them on the pitching side, but apparently some on the hitting side too. I, I think it, I think it speaks to me what the Cardinals didn't have, and I think it, if you're if you're Paul Goldschmidt or Nolan Arenado, you know it's uh, it's one thing to be a great player, but if you want to be a great Cardinals player, if you want to be a Cardinals legend, you've got to be bigger than your numbers. You've got to lead. You've got to hold guys accountable. You've got to defend the culture and improve it and you've got to also by the way win a world series if you really want to go down as one of the true best to do it right now goldschmidt and arenado are great players who play for the cardinals and they are running out of time in my opinion to prove that they can be cardinals greats yep uh, i think that's well said and and i and i think it should should be a wake-up call to these guys that uh, that mo has said this on a number of occasions no i think ollie <laughs> has said it's like you know albert's not walking through those doors albert didn't walk through those doors last season and albert was still kind of a bit player in 2022 and by the way he had just shown up after not being on the team for 11 years and we're talking about losing albert's leadership that should be a i mean Arenado and Goldschmidt should take that as as a personal affront to what they do as ball players, and I don't think it has it. They don't seem to care, but that that's kind of a message thrown at your highest paid players that you were turning to a guy that just showed back up to the ball club to be their number one leader. These guys, and again, it doesn't have to be a rah rah situation. They don't have to be cheerleaders and getting in your face, but they do have to show what it takes to be a professional ball player and how you handle yourself on and off the field. And it just hasn't always looked like they're all that interested in doing that. Yeah, I think both are lead by example guys, and you want that more than anything else, right? And and Goldschmidt has, I mean, to his credit, I think done a lot to to help guys along, but he's a guy who wants to help in a positive way. He wants a guy, he's a guy who wants to say, Hey, Jordan Walker, you want to work on your first base defense, come with me. And he'll give them some of the best tips he'll ever get. Right. And there's, 
that's huge and you need that where who's the guy who when tyler o'neill's dogging it around the bases says not good enough and and it, it eventually it has to be the manager yep um but it should have never gotten that far who's that guy on this team um last year maybe it could have been Contreras, but like i said he was totally he was totally sidelined by from from a vocal leadership role by all the all the stuff that was thrown his way. You know, who's the guy who goes up to the reliever who for the third consecutive day said he can't pitch because he's not he doesn't feel quite right and says, Hey man, look, are you hurt or are you injured? Because there's a difference and everybody plays hurt. Who's that guy in the clubhouse? And yeah, eventually it it can and will be the manager. But I can tell you in years past, this team wouldn't have let it get that far. And whether it was Yachty or Albert or someone, Adam Wainwright at times, I think last year was a weird year for Adam, um, who says, hey, look, this is how we do things here. And people can him and haw about that being the haughty Cardinal way or whatever they want. I don't care what people's definition of the Cardinal way is. The Cardinals and Lance Lynn said it, and it's part of the reason he's back, said, (laughs) I said, Lance, a lot of people – I've talked about this team getting back to the Cardinal baseball. What does that mean to you? And he says, it's pretty simple. We play hard. We play in a, in a, you know, in a smart, aggressive fashion, and we look out for each other and help each other where we can. And he, he Lance is not the guy who's going to sit there and preach about the morality of the Cardinals, right? And a lot of that stuff turned him off. Um, he thinks it's about how you play the game and, and also how you – not only look out for your teammates, but hold them accountable. And they've really poured a lot of that into this team. I think it will be a tougher team. We'll see if it's a better team. Um, It won't be, it doesn't matter if you have all the great leaders and you can't pitch effectively. So that's still a legitimate area of concern. But I'll tell you one thing, and and I don't think this is, uh, well, I'll just say it. Last year when all that stuff with Tyler O'Neill went down and, you know, and and the manager was taking a beating for how he handled it, there was like, there, there were people in the clubhouse who were appreciative of how it was handled and not one of them went to bat for the manager. Um, there were former players who were appreciative of how it was addressed and not one of them. It's not the former player's job. They're gone. But you'd think somebody at a time like that would have said, Hey, this needed to be done. Or if it was wrong and it was, and it was terrible, somebody would have said, Hey, you know, Tyler, Tyler learned no one, no one did anything. It's like it, no one addressed it in the clubhouse. And I think that's part of the problem here is guys have to, they got to become a team again. And yeah. it's not like this big animosity filled clubhouse. There were, there were just too many guys who were kind of doing their own thing. And I think that, uh, I think that there's been a lot of effort into making this year's team more cohesive. And I think part of that is bringing in a guy like Carpenter who knows the standard who is not going to be advocating to play all the time. He knows what his role is, is to take a few at-bats and try to take some walks. And maybe if he's working with Matt Holiday, there's some homers left. We'll see. But who, who, will, who will try to kind of be active in, 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 in facilitating a very positive, effective bench group that has really been lacking for this team in recent seasons. Been a very interesting conversation, one that I think will be a springboard. More Cardinal talk here in the days and weeks to come. Anything in particular we're looking out for in the newspaper? Well, I had a chance, I think a lot of folks did, to catch up with Anthony Beck of the Battle Hawks. I know folks are eager to hear about what's going to be happening for the XFL slash UFL team. i got to get that right. Um, he <laughs> is He is looking forward to 
this merger and there might be some quarterback questions, but I got a column in today's paper talking about how he knows a thing or two about quarterbacks, including helping his son become the Big 12 oh, yeah. offensive freshman of the year. So they can find that in today's paper at stltoday.com. Yeah, Rocco was a stud for Iowa State, and uh, that, that kid's a, a legit NFL pro, uh, prospect. But he's got his concerns right now. Does coach with the Battlehawks? And, uh, Ben, I appreciate it. We'll, uh, we'll yak uh, coming up here this week. Sounds good, man. Have a good Sunday, everybody. That's Ben. I'm Brendan. That's Sports Sunday. Folks, stay warm. And, again, watch out for that ice tomorrow morning. Uh, stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon here on the Big 550.